0: Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. Welcome to
1: another installment of Revitalize and Restart, a podcast brought to you by Operation Transformation, a church revitalization ministry based in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Steve Sales, your host, and it's a pleasure to have with us today, Dr. Joe Youngblood. Dr. Youngblood is the founder and the president of Revival and Missions International out of Gloverville, South Carolina. In January 2001, God led him to start a new ministry of evangelism, revival and missions under the name of Revival and Missions International. He served as a founder, director and president of this ministry. He served at, uh, before that as a contact a contract consultant with the Church Multiplication Group out of uh, South Carolina Baptist Convention in 2010 and in church revitalization and was instrumental in the development of the intentional church multiplication uh, process there. In June of 2016, God led him to do church health and strengthening ministry through his ministry, and he returned full-time to his ministry in January 1, 2017. Welcome Dr. Youngblood. Thank you so much. It's an honor for you to be with us today. Well, thank you, Dr. Steve, for the
2: privilege, the honor of being with you. Uh, Truly, thank the Lord for the day you and I got to meet and appreciate tremendously the ministry God's entrusted to you and the many pastors and many, many churches you've helped in revitalization.
1: And thank you for letting me be a little small part. Amen, brother. And I appreciate you because uh, you've been such a help to me and a mentor in some respects uh, in this thing of church revitalization. Well, today we're going to be discussing, I think, a very, very important topic, and that is leading cultural change in the local church. A tremendously important uh, topic because it seems as if uh, culture and our the way we deal with culture in the local church is, is raking havoc in some situations. So let's just jump right in and have a discussion about the need and the essentiality of, of uh, cultural change uh, as it relates to church revitalization. Uh, Dr. Youngblood, I, I think it's so important as we begin for us to understand the concept of culture. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us what you uh, want to say to us about what the culture of a local church really is and means?
2: Every church has its own unique individual culture. The Oxford Dictionary defines culture as the attitudes and behavior characteristics of a a social group. Hmm. And what that applies to the church, when we talk about church culture, it is the way they do church. It's the attitudes and the behaviors of the members as it relates to their understanding of how to do church. And many times culture will trump everything. We've all heard the culture with Trump vision, but it goes much more beyond that culture. If it's led properly becomes a great force for fulfilling the great commission. But if it's not dealt with properly, it leads to conflict and confusion and com- bad confrontations in the church. So, in essence, culture is the behavior or
1: attitudes that m- uh, make up the ministries of the church. Amen. Uh, so, actually, what you're saying is that that culture um, kind of shapes what that church is and what they're about and where they're headed. Well, you're, you're exp- exactly right. It's, the church's culture
2: is who they are. Okay. Yeah. It is not so much what they believe as far as doctrine, it is what their behaviors based upon their spiritual attitudes. Mm.
1: So it's how they do church. Mm. Well, it, uh, tell us a little bit how the prevailing culture in any local church really impacts the ministry or uh, just the whole makeup of that church? Okay. Culture, first off,
2: impacts people's attitudes. Our collective attitudes determines our actions. So culture is the behavioral attitudes of that particular congregation. An example being, if in their culture they have become a criticizing culture, fault-finding culture, backbiting. That is how they relate to each other. And other churches, it's not so much they are backbiting critical, it's as much as they're a confrontational culture, Mm -hmm. that they confront and deal with issues not out of a sense of the understanding of the vision. It's that, well, they expect everything to be confrontational, and they're surprised when they don't have it. Now, it goes beyond just that. At, let me try to illustrate. We all know the Great Commission has two components. First part is win the loss, evangelize the loss. Second component is disciple to save. Well, pastor after pastors will come to a church and we'll ask them, Are you, do you have an evangelistic culture? They say yes, but most likely they don't have it because – they look at the one or two baptisms they have a year and they look at the fact that they put the gospel message in on their website, maybe in in their bulletin, put, put it on a, a sign or something like that. But it's not evangelist because the behavior of the church doesn't leave the church property and go out into the community.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, that, that, So the prevailing culture in a church, as we said a moment ago, basically gives direction to where that church is going, how that church even impacts its community. Is that that safe to say that?
2: Yes, sir. Very much. Because culture is their attitudes uh, and their behaviors. The old statement is attitudes determine actions is very true. Mm -hmm. And because they have a culture often that is internal. It won't allow them to be external to, to carry the great commission to the community. Mm-hmm. They may have a culture that's long-term on Bible study rather than biblical discipleship. Mm-hmm. So they default to study in scripture rather than producing biblical disciples. Mm.
1: Well, let me, let me kind of back up a minute and, uh let's let's talk about this how does the prevailing culture in society affect the culture within a church it does have impact
2: scripture tells us not to be worldly not to follow after the transit world unfortunately we're human beings living in a fallen world so those do come into into our our attitudes into our thought processes to our behavior. And so often those thoughts are brought into the community. And so secular values, secular thought processes determines more of the culture than scriptural truth and scriptural
1: uh proclamation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if if um say say a church is is has been invaded by more of a secular culture uh how in the world can can you work through that to bring about uh, a real impact on on a community with the gospel if if um I guess what i'm asking is how can a pastor uh deal with that kind of uh cultural uh emphasis in that local church to enable it to become the kind of catalyst to change people's lives in the community. If it's inundated with the culture of the world. Okay.
2: Let me back up one other thing. You asked if society impacts the culture and church, it does, but that's only one element that defines the church culture. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have a number of factors that impacts our church culture. Look at the culture is the easiest way to, that I found to explain it is how people do church, their attitudes and action to how that individual church does church, all the way from their worship services to their various ministries, whether they're looking internally, looking externally, the whole whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Now you asked how do you change that is basically if I understood your question. Mm -hmm. And the key is you lead cultural change. You don't confront and cause conflict and an open war over it. We pastors are regularly encountering the culture of their church. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most pastors believe if I confront it, I know it's going to lead to conflict, but hopefully I can come out on the other end. Rarely is that true. Most time that culture is so ingrained, the pastor end up leaving before he could ever mm-hmm. lead there. So what <clears throat> scripture teaches us and what I've been dealing with culture issues since the middle eighties, when I first got into church conflict, when I first got mm-hmm. contact, really I've, Realize there's two things that cause most church conflict. It's a violation of the individuals' core values, and then it's violation of the church culture. Yeah. Those two things are at the heart of the vast majority. So don't confront those. The Bible teaches us lead. Look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me. And we are the under-shepherds. Christ is the great shepherd. We're the under And God has entrusted to a pastor, that local congregation, he's the undership and he is to lead them beyond their culture.
1: Hmm. Okay, if, if, um, it, 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 can you uh, tell, tell us this? Uh, this is, I don't know how I want to word this. Is there ever a time when a church culture? literally kills the church.
2: Not only is it possible, I believe most dying and dead churches culture is one of the major
1: influences for why it's dying and dead. So so some church cultures is much more difficult to lead through than than other church cultures. Would you say that?
2: Yes, most definitely. Let me try to give you an illustration of how church culture can be led through, okay? Okay. Church, I was a member of when after I left the pastorate, I joined this particular church. If you put the leadership of the church and asked them if they were an evangelistic church, everyone would have said yes, and they'd pass the lie detector test. But they wasn't. They baptized six, eight people a year. New Pastor King, this man understood clearly how to lead past cult, uh, culture. He himself was a tremendous gospel witness. And so he would share the gospel during the week. And on Sunday, he'd tell stories of what he'd done during the week. On mm-hmm. several occasions, he'd tell how I met this person at the meat market. I met this one here. Tell how they come to know the Lord. And then he said, by the way, would you stand up? And the church visually saw it. Then he celebrated that when he did uh, baptisms. He lived it out by taking members, key members of the church with him when he felt he was going to have an opportunity to share the gospel. He preached it consistently in a short while and short being about a year, it went from a church that believed in evangelism to a church that was evangelizing and that, that second year of there, they baptized a church of about 250, baptized over 40 people that year.
1: Wow. That uh, brings to mind a, a, a fellow that I know, um, and, and probably one of the best preachers I, I, I know of, one of the most evangelistic individuals that I've ever met. He is tremendously, uh, he's a great soul winner, a great soul winner. But he's had difficulties in three churches because he went into those churches. uh, Now, I don't know whether they thought they had an evangelism culture, a culture of evangelism or not. But he went into those churches, and it kind of fits the same bill you're talking about. They had four or five baptisms the year before he got there. Well, when he got there, this guy was winning people to the the Lord left and right, and he was sharing it and trying his best to get the people to uh, become involved um, in, in evangelism and winning people to Christ. But he never lasted in any of these churches, all three of them, for over a year. Each church, one was nine months one was about 11 months one was right at a year a whole year and because uh, it 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 came to a point that th- they did not want him evangelizing anymore so my question i guess is this and actually what he's doing now starting his own church he's starting a church that he believes that he can build it off of off of evangelistic emphasis and train the people from the beginning i guess well, what i'm asking you, is yeah, this
2: right here to you, brother, most likely he's going to be successful planting that church yeah because see he's going to birth evangelism into the DNA of the church right it's going to begin with a culture of evangelism and it will be able to continue what had happened with him he not understanding the culture he almost forced evangelism on them rather than him leading them to embrace mm. it and mm. come to it.
1: Well, the tragedy of the whole thing is all three of the churches that he was in, uh, look like they're on the verge of dying, all three of them right now. And, um, uh, it's a, it's a frightening thing. What, uh, if you, if you can lead through that culture, the church comes out a whole lot stronger, but it takes a real particular kind of leader to be able to do that, wouldn't you say? Yes, sir. It really takes a leader that
2: understands how to lead with culture. The principles are not difficult. The difficulty comes in that we want to lead. We'd rather confront than lead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, try to give you a good illustration. We in America lived through that under president Trump from 2016 to 2020. He created a whole new culture called conservatism. Mm -hmm. He brought in like the MAGA hat. Whoever thought that term MAGA would ever define uh, the behavior group of a group of people, but it became their culture. Mm -hmm. What he did, he understood how to lead culture change. Near the end of his presidency, he got off of and quit doing, that which brought such success, he changed it. I remember when I passed, we had a tremendous movement of God. We had a 42-day revival. Wow. I remember asking the revivalist that was there, I said, how do we keep it? He said, what brings revival keeps revival. Mr. Trump got focused on other things rather than continuing on with leading the culture change that he had a great opportunity to, to sustain,
1: oh, yeah. Does that help you to understand Yeah, yeah, I understand. I see well, it, ha- these pastors that are out here that and, and most of them are in the situation that you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, as a church revitalizer, I, I deal with this with pastors all the time. Um, they are they are there trying to move the church off center point. Uh, to a more evangelistic or to a growth stance, if you wish. Um, But many of them don't really understand how to go about taking that church from the culture that it's in to, to really becoming the church that God would have them to become, even in the midst of that culture. So can you give us some practical steps that a pastor, like we're talking about, can take to lead cultural change in that church, uh, changing mindsets? Yes, sir.
2: I'd be very glad to share those with you. First one is you must cast a biblical vision, understanding that vision is the revealed will of God. He has to not create his own vision. First step is to work with the leadership of the church and ultimately to the whole church to bring about a consensus as to what the will of God is for that individual churches. Mm-hmm. Often what happens when a new pastor comes, he feels like, Hey, I've got to bring my vision. In fact, many search committees ask, if you come to be our pastor, what would be your vision? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, do, I believe vision gives that God gives vision to the pastor, to the leader, but he is then, To incorporate and bring it in. So in the, in there is first step is the creating or the coming to consensus on a shared vision. Yeah. Step number two, you cast that vision. Mm -hmm. You cast it every service, every time to what you want to be. Step three, I communicate the vision. I'm going to talk it up. It's not just that I'm going to preach a message on it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to put it in my blogs. If I'm a blogging pastor, I'm going to communicate it when I'm in my prayer meeting every time I can. Now, here's an important principle. The principle is he who controls the narrative controls the uh, direction. What we talk about is where we're going to head. We're, lit. we're seeing that now. This is, Six, seven months into twenty twenty, we are seeing how the narrative has totally changed. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the principles of leadership is that leaders define cult- the uh, reality, the culture. You talk about it. You don't necessarily get in an argument with someone. It you be very positive. You share with that. So, step one is the uh, creating of a consensual, consensual. Uh, Vision Number two is you cast that vision. Number three is that you communicate that vision. And then this is very important. The pastor must model or be conformed by that vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the illustration I gave, the pastor himself was evangelistic, and he modeled that. Often we ask people to do what we're not, and it doesn't work. A biblical principle is that sheep follow the shepherd. Yeah. So if I'm not modeling it, modeling the new culture, the creating, then folks don't come. Now let's use the illustration you had of your friend with the three churches. He modeled it. I don't know all the details, but from a distance based on the little bit you heard, he didn't go back and get a a shared consensus about what they were going to head. He didn't really cast vision. He probably preached evangelism, but he didn't communicate that vision. He didn't come. Even though he conformed to it, he modeled it, he missed those previous steps. Yeah. Then after we conform to it, we celebrate. <laughs> what we celebrate becomes our culture.
1: Yeah.
2: Hugely important. We've got to celebrate. Now, let me try to illustrate talking about like evangelism. The Bible says that when one sinner comes to the Lord, there's a celebration in the presence of the angels. Mm-hmm. Angels don't celebrate. Who celebrates? The saints in heaven. That one's being reclaimed. But what happens in a lot of churches? Well, we thank God for Billy coming down today. Folks, would you come out here and shake his hand? <laughs> there's no excitement. Yeah. There's no celebration. Right. Give you an old redneck term here. You ought to have a spiritual hoot nanny. Yeah. When those folks come forward. Yeah. And then baptism shouldn't just be added at the beginning or the end of a service. Make it the most positive thing because this person was on the road to hell. Mm -hmm. They've been transformed by the power of the gospel, cleansed of their sin. They're on the way to hell. If we can't celebrate that, we're lost. We just, it's, it's it's a game. But the pastor has to celebrate it. He has to get in it. He has to. The last two steps are he has to be consistent in his casting, his communication, his modeling of it, his conformity to it, and his celebrating. He's got to be consistent, and he's got to continue. Amen. It doesn't happen just doing it once and twice. Amen. It comes in. Yeah. It's finished a interim pastorate at the end of uh, April, 220-something-year-old church. This church by would be called a healthy church, except for one area. Mm-hmm. It was not evangelistic. Now, it would tell you it was evangelistic, but we knew that it needed to move to where evangelism was the heartbeat of the church. Well, we worked through all the steps we talked about, and the vision came for that church to be a church that is evangelizing the lost and discipling the saved. Yeah. Said that many times. It got to be even in the days of the COVID. I started on one Sunday, and we shut the church down on Wednesday. COVID hit so hard. But as I was preaching on the uh, Facebook live, then as we started we beat that drum. Shortly in, we were pre- uh, one of the ladies in the church worked in children's ministry. She led two children, eight and a nine year old. We built the whole service around their baptisms. Yeah. We had a tremendous celebration. I can give a lot more details, but it came in after 16 months of being there, they called a young pastor. First, first time pastor. He had done student ministry, but, mm-hmm. but he was 21 years old. Now, picture this: a 21 year old who was still in college, leading a 220 something year old church. Mm. <laughs> but he, he, rather than trying to cre- create something new, he spent time. He understood what was now the culture of the church. They developed a different vision statement, but it's basically the same, but he, he, that church now, since he's been there, has baptized over 20 people in a little over three months. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He's, and that's just a I know that's a very lofty view, but that's how you live out these. So what yeah. is it to give it to you directly? I'll, yeah, give it to you. Directly. You've got to uh have a consensus of a shared vision. You must cast that shared vision you communicate it. What is it? How does it live out? How does it impact? You then have to conform the leader, the pastor. He must model it. You celebrate it. Then you continue,
1: continuously down the road you were. Amen. I mean, man, that's that's good stuff. You know, um, it's amazing that uh, I, I didn't completely know where you were going to go with that, but what you what you just shared is exactly what uh, I was taught. Uh, I, I went to I was pastoring a a church that was a good considered a very good church. Last church I pastored, in fact, I was there almost sixteen years, and it was a great great church. But and they had the attitude or the the identity of being an evangelistic church. But they were not that that evangelistic. It's a great church, wonderful people, great singing, great worship. It was always really a great time to go to church. <clears throat> but God broke broke my heart over that thing, and I I, I couldn't figure out what the problem was because I couldn't move them forward. And uh, I tried to model it to them, and but I ended up going to a conference that was at Asbury Seminary. Uh, Dr. John Maxwell was going to be there and the title of that thing was dreaming a new dream. I'll never forget it. It was from Monday till Friday and we were in class eight hours a day and, uh, and he nailed this thing of having a vision, uh, bringing that vision to the people, communicating it from the pulpit, uh, celebrating when things happened. Uh, so I went back and uh, I was three years into that church at the time. And I put together what I called a dream team. We did exactly what you said. I Before I, before I left there, I was in a hotel at night. I didn't sleep any. I prayed that God would show me what he wanted for that church and that the people would be shown as well. So I went back and I formed a A a dream team. And we, I never told them what God shared with me. Uh, I wrote it all down on a piece of paper and put in a file. But I met with them and we spent, we spent uh, the first month, three days a week, meeting together and praying God to show us what we need to do. And at the end of that, well, it was about a month and a half. At the end of that month and a half, we'd written down what God had shared with those people and it was just about verbatim what God had shown me in that in that uh Amen. in that uh hotel room so then we began to promote this thing and man when we left from there we set goals when we left from there actually the year before I left there um, right several months before I left there we had attained all the goals that had been set we baptized a lot of people uh People came to Christ. We trained a lot of people in evangelism, EE, and and the church is going strong today, but it came about from what you said. Uh, I could not have gone into that situation and forced anything, even though they were good people, and they were very tolerant people. But when I pulled those people together, and share and we shared together and we ended up when we came up with what they, they felt God was saying, I pulled the paper out that God has shown me and I gave it to every one of them. I copied it. And I said, this is what God has done. And Mm -hmm. the church was revolutionized. So I I love what you're saying because you've got to lead through that cultural uh, situation.
2: Thank you very much for the story and for the compliment. As you were sharing Thought came to me the key to what you shared, in addition to being with uh Dr. Maxwell, learning that was that you went back and you had shared leadership. Yep, it wasn't Dr. Steve driving it, it wasn't Dr. Steve trying to move it in. Many, many of our pastors don't understand the concept of shared leadership. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Even our savior shared leadership with these disciples. Yep. Yeah, rarely will a pastor be able to lead cultural change without sharing the leadership with his staff, yeah. with the key la- leaders, those influencers in there, and those innovators and those implementers. When they connect with all of that, beautiful stories like you just told happens. Amen. I'm
1: I've okay. seen it. In, all-size churches happen. Amen. Well, that's a that's a topic for another day and I'm going to get you back on here and we're going to do something on the shared leadership stuff. How's that? Amen. I'd be honored to do great with you. Well, our time is completely gone. Um I, I want to thank you so much Dr. Youngblood for sharing with us today. And for those that are listening, if you heard something that uh, will help you lead in your local church. Let us know and uh, tell your friends and your church leaders about this podcast. Be sure to like our podcast, subscribe. So you'll know each time we post a new one, if you, uh, you can share with other people, go to www.operation-transformation.org. Click on the, um, podcast tab and you can, uh, uh, sign up for it. And every time we post a new one, which is about every two to three weeks, Every time we post a new one, you'll get a notification through email, and you'll be able to uh, look at it. So this is Dr. Steve Sells, along with Dr. Joe Youngblood, saying thanks for listening. And our prayer is that something we discussed here today might help you help your church. God bless you.
0: Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time, and again, thanks for listening.